The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. And the phone number is always 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. And Gary and Eric return Sunday night, Monday morning. Always glad to have you along here on Red Eye Radio. I want to start out with this back and forth between, you know, you folks don't know me that well. I fill in on occasion. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. I like to refer to Corinne Jean-Pierre as Cringe Jean-Pierre. So in case you hear me go back to Cringe Jean-Pierre, I go back and forth between Corrine and Cringe. But the reason I call her Cringe is because, let's face it, she is absolutely cringeworthy. And she's not very good at her job. She's clearly not that good at her job. But see, the problem that she has, the problem that KJP has is twofold. Number one is that she's dealing with a president who is challenged. I mean, let's face it. Joe Biden is challenged in a number of different ways. And number two is for cringe on Pierre for cringe. She is challenged as well. She is not someone who is qualified, in my opinion, for her job. And so every single day she has to deal with people like Peter Ducey and others who ask, it would appear anyway, to be very challenging questions that she seems unable to be able to answer effectively. Like, for example, Joe Biden and his inability to really be able to lead his administration. You've heard about this new book. I was telling you about this last night. The last politician inside Joe Biden's White House and the struggle for America's future. And the Atlantic's Franklin Four, and uh, this is a guy who wrote the book, and, and he basically is saying that, President Biden has been frustrated because he's treated like a baby within the Oval Office. Here's how that conversation went between Peter Ducey and Corinne Jean-Pierre. President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby? No one treats the president of the United States, the commander in chief, uh, like a baby. So there's this book that says that's ridiculous. When staff it's a ridiculous back, claim. You know, it's interesting because she very arrogantly says, oh, that's a ridiculous claim. One thing I've noticed with uh, cringe Jean-Pierre is that when she gets sort of like breathy 
then and she gets um, sanctimonious, it actually means that she she doesn't really know the answer to the question or she doesn't know how to answer a question. And so when Ducey says, why is the president being uh, treated like a baby? There's a number of different reasons why, as an observer of this White House, as an observer of of this president, it is so obvious why Joe Biden is treated like a baby. I mean, there was an example, and and I'm going to get to the whole thing about what she has to say about all of this, but, but there was an example just today that I'll get to in further detail. But an example today as to why Joe Biden is treated like a baby. He was at the Medal of Honor ceremony at the White House. And he just leaves in the middle of it. He just, he walks off the stage, wades through the crowd, and out the back door. And people are looking at, at Biden and saying, where the hell is he? Where is he?" And it's like when you, when you have a toddler and you go to, say, for example, the grocery store or maybe a department store, maybe perhaps a mall. You've got to keep track of your toddler. Otherwise, they'll just start wandering about the store. That's what Joe Biden is doing. And he does this often. So either he wanders and you don't know where he's going or he doesn't know where he's going when he's up on stage and then it's time for him to say, you know, good night and bye bye. God bless our troops and God bless America. He doesn't know which way to go. Or he's trying to shake hands with ghosts. So when cringe John Pierre, when cringe John Pierre says, oh, it's just so ridiculous. That Joe Biden, you know, the, the book asserts that Joe Biden is treated like a baby. I don't really understand why she believes that that is such a ridiculous assertion. I mean, it's like it's like a lot of the folks in the media. Shocked and amazed that Donald Trump could be tied with Joe Biden. And how could this possibly happen? Because, you know, the, the former president has 91 indictments How is it possible the Republicans and the American people could be siding with Donald Trump over Joe Biden? Well, it's obvious that the American people are not buying into the narrative that Donald Trump is, by and large, a crook or corrupt or whatever it is. There is a clear disconnect between the leaders of our country, the leaders, so-called, the leaders in our media, and how the American people really do view our politicians and our media and the spokespeople that represent both. On that note, President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby? No one treats the president of the United States, the commander in chief, uh, like a baby. So there's this book that says that's ridiculous. When staff ridiculous claim. what sounded like a call for regime change in Russia, the president uh, quote, rather than owning his failure, he fumed to friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that? So look, uh, I'll say this. Um, there's going to be a range, always a range of books uh, that are uh, about every administration, as you know, uh, that's going to have a variety of claims. That is not unusual. That happens all the time. And we're not going to litigate those here. That's something that we're not going to uh, speak to. There is one thing that I do want to, because I think I was asked this question last week by one of your colleagues about this particular excerpt uh, that they uh, were referring to. And so 
I'll say this, you know, we did see the excerpt, excerpt uh, the context uh, of the excerpt, and it seemed to be making the opposite overall point about how the value of his experience and wisdom resulted in rallying the free world against authoritarianism, which is important. We have seen this. You all have seen this. And passage of the most historic agenda in recent history in his handling of foreign policy, like rallying the world around Ukraine, as you just heard from our national security, national security advisor, who laid out in really good questions that your colleagues asked about how the president is moving forward, about Ukraine, uh, about kind of leading into these conversations that he's going to be having at the G20. So uh, it is her assertion that President Biden was leading the free world against authoritarianism. You know, one of the things that I would say is that just because somebody is old and yes, Joe Biden is old. He is very old. That doesn't always translate to wisdom. And maybe at a time the president had had wisdom. I don't believe that the president has wisdom now. I, I simply don't believe it. And one of the things that I would point out to cringe Jean-Pierre is that the free world isn't necessarily buying into all things Ukraine and all things Ukraine funding. Because this whole thing about Ukraine and Zelensky has turned into simply a black hole of billions and billions and billions of dollars where nobody knows where the money's going. And so, no, I don't believe and remember those leaked Pentagon papers a while ago where you had the Pentagon papers that were leaked regarding our relationship and our suspicions of Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. And about how we don't necessarily have the utmost confidence in a guy who we are giving billions and billions of dollars to. So that doesn't really seem like a wisdom-infused decision to me. Now, like it or not, President Biden, just going back to the original question, why is President Biden being treated like a baby? That cringe on Pierre says is, oh, so ridiculous. That is a ridiculous assertion. Really? Well, like it or not, President Biden is seen as frail. He does have memory issues. He has issues with his cognitive thinking. Again, he never knows which way to go off of stage. And it is well documented that he throws temper tantrums just like a five-year-old. Dailymail.com has asked Corinne Jean-Pierre about Biden's admission that he feels tired, attributing that to his advanced age, pointing to how he felt uh, morning events were tiring for him and about how the administration did everything they could to not hold events before 10 a.m. And she went on to say that was, again, a ridiculous assumption to make. This guy's book noted that it was striking that he took so few morning meetings or presided over so few public events before 10 a.m., so, I mean, it's it's very obvious what you need to do. You need to go back and you, you need to look at how many events Joe Biden has done before 10 a.m. I mean, there hasn't been a lot. Regarding the war in Ukraine, the writer of this book uh, writes that the advantages of having an older president were on display during the situation with Ukraine. 
You know, part of what I would say is that a president with as much, I'm going to put this in air quotes, with as much wisdom as Joe Biden in the lead up to Vladimir Putin uh, going into Ukraine. Remember how Joe Biden, he had weak sanctions after weak sanctions after weak sanctions after weak sanctions. So over and over again, it was one wave of weak sanctions after another. They did absolutely nothing to dissuade Vladimir Putin from going into Ukraine. And by the way, I will point out and remind you folks, what was it that really emboldened Putin to go into Ukraine? Our failed pullout of Afghanistan. That absolute foreign policy disaster that continues to haunt America to this day. And it continues to haunt Joe Biden to this day. Our failed pullout of Afghanistan was what emboldened Vladimir Putin to go into Ukraine. Because Joe Biden had lost all credibility on the world stage. And then again, the weak sanctions, the constant don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. With absolutely no teeth to those sanctions. Vladimir Putin said, you know what? The old guy's not going to do anything. In we go. And of course, we have China constantly saber rattling as well. And so this notion that Joe Biden and, and by the way, I'm not faulting Joe Biden for being old. I'm faulting the Democrats and Joe Biden's handlers and Joe Biden's cabinet and Joe Biden's family for putting him in this position because he's got no business, absolutely no business being in the Oval Office. And so, again, this notion that age equates to wisdom, absolutely not true. One more thing. Crinjon Peart said that the president will be uh, wearing a mask moving forward because, as I told you uh, last night, and you don't no doubt know that uh, Jill Biden has covid and Joe was in close contact with uh, Jill. So now KJP has said that the president will be wearing a mask in accordance with the CDC guidelines. But as Peter Tusi uh, pointed out from Fox News, uh, the president was wearing a mask until he wasn't wearing a mask at this Medal of Honor ceremony uh, there at the White House. And the president came in. He was wearing a mask when he walked in. And then for whatever reason, he decided to take it off. White House officials tell us he's going to do that after being exposed to the COVID positive first lady. Since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. But then no mask in this other video as he was leaving that event. Not sure why he would need one to go in that exact way, but not to leave that little corridor and officials are not telling us this afternoon yet what the plan is if President Biden winds up testing positive for COVID when he is in India at the end of this week. Yeah, and uh, not to belabor the point, but during that Medal of Honor ceremony, he was very close to a very old uh, Medal of Honor recipient. And then again, not to uh, again repeat it too many times, but at the end of the ceremony, but before it was over, Biden just wandered out of the room. 
just wandered out of the room like a five-year-old in a department store just decided to start walking away. And that is exactly what he did. If you look at the video as Biden walks off the stage and is walking through the crowd and out the door, people are kind of, you know, following him with their heads as he goes from the stage to the back of the room and out the door. And again, he walked in wearing a mask and uh, Joe Biden in uh, all of his wisdom walking out without a mask. And by the way, all of that on the context that Biden believes that masks actually work. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Did you know that up to half of all major engine failures are due to poor cooling system maintenance? That's a lot of downtime and can cost drivers big. You expect a lot from your engine, which is why the cooling system must be a part of your maintenance routine. Here's a tip to keep your cooling system in shape and your engine running smooth. Make sure the system is properly filled with coolant at every p.m. interval and during pre- and post-trip inspections. Underfilling the cooling system can cause corrosion and your engine to overheat. Coolant is also used to keep DEF tanks thawed in the winter. If you notice unusually low coolant levels, be sure to have your cooling system inspected by a professional technician. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Six six ninety red eyes the phone number eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine Dan Mandis here in for the vacationing Gary and Eric they return Sunday night Monday morning so there is a, a lot to talk about uh, regarding the president I know that um, he's getting a lot of criticism because of the fact that he simply refuses to go to East Palestine Ohio now it's obvious what's going on. What's going on is this is Trump country. And so because it's Trump country, the the president just simply is not going to go. He was asked the other day if he's going to go. And he basically said that he doesn't or hasn't had the occasion to go, which nobody really understood what that meant, because the president has spent a lot of time on vacation and going to, I mean, it seems like every other country in the world but he hasn't been able to make it out to East Palestine. This did come up during the White House press briefing. Just one more. The president sure. said over the long weekend that he hasn't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. I just haven't been able to break. The derailment was on February 3rd. President Biden has not had a break since February 3rd. The president will go to East Palestine. He promised that he would, and he will. Uh, you saw him. On, uh, so he was not on a break when he was in Lake Tahoe? I will say this again. The president is going to go to East Palestine, as he has said that he is committed to do. You saw him just this Saturday visit uh, a rural area, right, that was uh, devastated. Some parts were devastated by uh, Hurricane Idalia, and he was there with the First Lady. They were able to hear directly from the American people, and he was able to talk about what is it that they need. What is it? What else do they need from the federal government? So the president is going to go to East Palestine. I don't have a time or, or date. 
to announce at this time, but he will go. No, you don't have a time or a date because I don't think the president will go. Now, obviously, he did go to Hawaii, as um, everyone knows, and he was booed incessantly. Just a disastrous trip for the president going to uh, Hawaii. But he did go to Hawaii. It's a, you know very much of a Democrat stronghold. And he did go to Florida for obvious reasons, because he wants to win the state of Florida in the next um, general election. But he's not going to go to East Palestine. So it's it's almost a, a, a moot point at this point, because the people of East Palestine, I'm pretty sure they don't want to see him. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, from the Uniden America Studios. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. So the disintegration of America continues. It's almost every day now we, we see these stories of rampant crime going on in once great cities, including... This morning, there is a headline from our friends at the New York Post. Rest in peace, Beverly Hills. A video. And and you see these videos all the time. And it is rather stunning. It is rather stunning that when we see these things that come out, these videos that come out, it's like every every few days, if not every day, where you have all of these all of these guys that just rush into these stores, you know, 20, 30 people rush into a Nordstrom's, rush into some of these, you know, very high-end stores, and they just steal a bunch of stuff, and there's nothing that anybody can do about it. You know, you see it at other stores like a Walgreens or Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever it is. 
where these guys come in. They've got they've got big, large garbage bags and garbage cans, and they just they fill it up with stuff because they know that nothing's going to happen. And I feel like at this point in America, we all kind of know. We all kind of know what's going on. What's going on is we have these soft on crime prosecutors funded by George Soros, advocated for by the Democrats, and they simply want to be soft on crime because of some sick, twisted, you know, thought of of, uh, equity. They think that somehow it's racist to enforce the laws of our country. And so what's happening now is these great stores, these great brands are now going by the wayside. And and in um, the latest article, this is out of uh, the New York Post. This is out of Beverly Hills, California. You folks listening to KBC in Los Angeles probably know all about this. Beverly Hills becoming a ghost town as high-end retail stores exit the once luxurious Los Angeles city amid a spate of high-end smash-and-grab robberies. And the incredible thing about the smash and grabs is that the people that do these, they're proud of it. These videos, they they take their their videos of, of you know, it's almost like a, a video selfie of these these rogue gangs doing this. And then they're posted to TikTok and they're posted to Instagram. And then they make themselves, you know, Internet famous, social media famous. Meantime, these communities are decimated and the states are decimated, too. But specifically the communities, because then whether, you know, you're talking about right now, we're discussing Beverly Hills. But oftentimes and we've seen these stories a million times. Where you have the Democrats and they're hand wringing over, oh, this is a this is a food desert. This is a drugstore desert. There's no food stores. There's no drugstores. There's no gas stations in these areas. It must be racism at play. Uh, No, it's companies that are saying that they can no longer afford to be in these areas because of all the theft. So you either deal with the crime or you deal with the fact that you're not going to have these stores in your communities. Because let's face it, you can't have both. And we're finding this out in cities like Seattle. We're finding this out in, like in cities like, uh, you know, Chicago. Various cities in Los Angeles, San Francisco. Where you just have these areas that are just deserted because of all the crime. And that's all that they can do. In Beverly Hills, becoming a ghost town, videos posted to TikTok. By self-proclaimed nostalgic Angelino, Cody 90210 show off more than a dozen Beverly Hills retailers and restaurants now completely shuttered and not replaced by new businesses, leaving their empty storefronts as a shell of their former glory. I mean, let me ask you a question. Would you have any interest in opening a store in San Francisco? Would you have any interest in opening a store in Los Angeles or, you know, some of these areas that are just racked with crime? Of course not. Why would you? Why would anybody? Some of the businesses include luxury staples like Barney's New York. 
and other once popular brands having filed for bankruptcy in recent years. Other big names now lying empty include former locations for Chanel, Rite Aid, Barnes & Noble, Nike Town, and restaurants like Chipotle and Starbucks. And there's a number of different things that go on, of course, and you know that you've got the crime, the smash and grabs, but then you've also got, you know, the homeless people. They just stink up the place. And so what you have is all of these various sociological and criminal issues that are going on in these Democrat-run cities. Nobody wants to handle the problem. Everybody wants to just scream, uh, scream, you know, oh, it's it's racism and, oh, you're, you know, you're anti-homeless person or whatever the heck it is. And, you know, bottom line is, okay, so if you don't want to handle the problems, then you're going to have a bigger problem on your hand, which is streets and cities that are decaying right before our very eyes. And you see it all the time. And it's hard to feel sorry for these cities. I used to live in Los Angeles. I know, because I'm from there, I know exactly where this is. And it's a gorgeous, used to be anyway, a gorgeous part of Los Angeles, Beverly Hills. So now we have all of these issues that are going on. Nobody wants to deal with it. Now L.A., apparently, the uh, L.A. Police Department has... uh, And L.A. has a new task force that is dealing with the smash and grabs. The new task force is composed of the L.A. Police Department, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, along with the U.S. Marshals Apprehension Task Force and the FBI Apprehension Task Force. So now what they're doing is they've got 22 full-time investigators, and they were formed on the same day that Los Angeles Macy's was raided by a group of masked thieves in hooded sweatshirts. Yet, if you have this is this is always so great. Yet, if you have, you know, some of these businesses that say nobody is allowed into our store if they're wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Well, that is somehow. And by the way, in August. In June, July and August, you have a bunch of guys walking into your store and and they've got hooded sweatshirts in what can only be a social media fueled flash mob burglary and so the guys inside the store the people inside the store say no 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 you can't come in here with those hoodies we know what you're up to oh that's racist no it's not racist it's actually reacting to what people have been experiencing and has been posted on social media and why exactly is it that you're wearing a hooded sweatshirt in the middle of august i mean it's it just it is silly and and the and the, the frustrating thing about all of this is that there there really is no there's no consequences there's no ramifications there's no arrests we see this all the time and so then you wonder why people feel despondent about uh, all of these things you know in San Francisco you you see and I know that it's very easy to pick on San Francisco somebody sent me a note one time said why are you always picking on San Francisco. I said, the reason why I pick on San Francisco so much is because it's easy. They make it easy. San Francisco continues to see a mass exodus. Now the Nordstrom's has closed or is closing. Another store in San Francisco called Gump's 
which is a high-end department store, uh, very famous, is also getting ready to bail. And, and so now you've got the the guy who owns Gumps, and uh, he is telling the leader of the state of, uh, I should say, the governor of California and San Francisco Mayor London Breed that he simply cannot afford to uh, operate in the city of San Francisco where he says crime continues to skyrocket. Again, this is this is the guy who is uh, the owner of this Gumps, and he says, yeah, this uh, this city of San Francisco is not getting better anytime soon under the Democrat rule. Here's part of what he had to say. San Francisco has focused on what I call uh, a minority of people who are making it an almost unlivable and unworkable environment with you know human waste and, yeah. and debris. And, uh, that's not a, a sustainable thing. Our door counts are down, I don't know, probably 30 percent. Yeah, 30 percent. And so when you when you have this uh, mass exodus of people and a mass exodus of downtown, there's no real reason why people would go into uh, your store. And again, this I'm playing audio from this, uh, the owner of a store called Gums, a high-end department store. And just like Nordstrom, just like a slew of other businesses, they looks like they're going to be exiting San Francisco. And, and he says part of the problem, of course, is that you have the uh, federal agencies there in San Francisco that um, they've decided to continue their work from home policies because of COVID, and that's not helping matters any. We have 25 million square feet of empty office space. Government buildings are the worst. So federal office buildings and state office buildings are at 30% occupancy because for some strange reason, even though the pandemic ended months and months ago, uh, they're still being directed to work at home. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what can you do when you have so many people that are bailing a uh, city? And, And here's the deal, is that he has actually reached out to the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, and the governor of California, uh, Gavin Grusom. I'm sorry, Gavin Newsom. And they have no response. They have no response. Nobody has anything to say about any of this. Just across the bridge in Oakland, by the way, you still have this woke DA there that residents are trying to recall. Her name is Pamela Price, and she had a town hall, I think this was a week before last, as people were complaining about what's going on there. And you've got all of these people who show up and they're all complaining about the same thing, crime. And this guy who is a local business owner, he's angry because his business has been robbed a number of different times and nobody's facing any charges. Compassion that don't work with criminals. He wants the DA to hold criminals accountable, which he says Price has so far failed to do. Her talents would be better in the public defender. I mean, why do you run for a job to prosecute people and you don't want to do that job? I mean, that was that's kind of oxymoron. Well, listen, here, here's the deal is that um, I would say to the people of San Francisco, I would say to the people of Oakland, I would say to the people of, you know, Chicago and all the all of these other places that are just overrun with crime. You hired these people. You know, I love this story out of Oakland where after this uh, this D.A., Pamela Price, they're trying to recall her. She's only been in office for I don't even think it's been a year yet. 
And she ran on, you know, this twisted form of uh, this twisted notion of equity and, uh, you know, bail reform and justice reform and all of these things that are, you know, essentially soft on crime policies. And so when you hire those people in, when you vote for those people, then what happens? They do what you hired them to do. So people in Oakland and people in San Francisco, people in California, you know, you can't sit here and complain when the people that you voted for are doing what they said that they were going to do. Here's the very latest on on this kind of story. Walmart shutting down the self-checkout options. And the reason, of course, is not surprising. It is because of theft. This is from uh, CNBC. And part of what they say is, yes, uh, they are shutting down the self-checkout because people are basically taking their stuff. They'll pay for one or two items, but then they bag the other 15 and they won't pay for it. And so now Walmart is having to change what they're doing because of theft. Walmart has reported $5 billion in theft uh, since 2021. $5 billion. In order to combat the issue, Walmart is not only closing self-checkout counters around the world, but it is also installing additional security measures. And it's only a matter of time before Walmart begins to uh, shut down stores in some of these more crime-ridden areas. And again, it's hard to feel sorry for the people who end up with food deserts and uh, drugstore deserts because they are the ones that are hiring in, voting for these soft-on-crime DAs funded by George Soros. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mendes here, and this is Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Coming up, all the latest on the clearly upcoming impeachment inquiry. Details straight ahead on Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Unit and America studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. 
This is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE. It is looking really positive in the sense that uh, Joe Biden will be undergoing an impeachment, impeachment inquiry. So you've got James Comer, you've got Jim Jordan, and uh, they are doing everything they can to investigate this administration, investigate Hunter Biden. How does the Hunter Biden hijinks and shenanigans, how does that impact Joe Biden? Was Joe Biden involved in the influence peddling and the bribery scheme through uh, Burisma? There's so many different questions. And the problem that Comer and uh, Jordan are having is that they are being blocked at every turn. And so just I know that you know this, but the impeachment inquiry is different from uh, actual impeachment impeachment uh, hearings. This is basically uh, giving the members of Congress, the Republican Party, these uh, various committees is giving them really just a lot more power to investigate. And so once they get all of the information through the impeachment inquiry, then they can make the decision as to whether or not they actually uh, move to impeach the president in the House. I don't believe believe that uh, I believe that it will get through the House. I don't believe that it'll get through the Senate. But all that being said, there might be a possibility if you look at the makeup of the Senate. There might be a possibility if they want this president out that the Republicans in the House and the Judiciary Committees might be able to put together such an incredibly airtight case that they can make the argument and a good argument that the president should be impeached and removed from office after the folks in the Senate hear the evidence. And it may give the, the Democrats an opportunity in the Senate to say, look, Joe Biden is too old and he's not making a lot of sense these days. He does have serious cognitive issues. This is a way for us to get rid of him or or what they could do is they could go to the president because I don't believe that people within the Democrat Party actually want Joe Biden to run. And so they may go to Joe and they may go to him and say, you know what? Uh, this evidence that Comer and uh, Jim Jordan and others have been able to bring up, it is very compelling. And so if, Joe, you don't step down to spend more time with your family, then we will entertain the conversation regarding uh, impeachment. And that is a very real possibility. And every single day, There is more evidence of the Biden's wrongdoing today is a perfect example. This is from the Federalist. They've got quite the blockbuster headline that you won't hear in a lot of places that the FBI spoon fed false information to DOJ special prosecutor David Weiss so that he would be thrown off the trail of evidence of Biden corruption. The reason was to protect Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. So we all know the 1023 and how that was rife with information. Well, the FBI and uh, the DOJ, they didn't want the 1023 to gain any traction. So what they did was they tried to discredit the material from the 1023 by saying that it was actually discredited material from Rudy Giuliani.
because everybody, you know, on the left believes that Rudy Giuliani is, uh, you know, has no credibility left. And he's basically a Trump sycophant and a nut job. That's what the left believes of Rudy Giuliani. And so for the FBI, they they could say, oh, yeah, this information, it, it came from Rudy Giuliani. So you don't really need to pay much attention to it because more than likely this discredited information, you know, since it came from a discredited source, Rudy Giuliani, there's no real reason to pay attention to it. You see where they're going and they worked with the New York Times to get this discredited information, put that in air quotes, this discredited information out there. Emails, again, this is from The Federalist, emails obtained by the Heritage Foundation following a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit and shared exclusively with The Federalist revealed that lies leaked to The New York Times about the origins of damning evidence implicating Hunter and Joe Biden in a bribery scandal were fed to Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Margot Cleveland wrote this story for The Federalist, and she says, quote, The New York Times reported those lies in its December 11th, 2020 article. Material from Giuliani. Again, that's important. Material from Giuliani spurred a separate Justice Department pursuit of Hunter Biden. Just a week after Americans first learned of the investigation of the now president's son, The Times reporting was, they say, replete with falsehoods and deceptive narratives, but Americans just didn't know it at the time. So again, what they're trying to do is protect ultimately Joe by talking about how all of this material was gleaned from the discredited Rudy Giuliani as opposed to this 1023. And the FBI was doing this, the DOJ was doing this to protect Hunter and Joe. Well, it turns out that material did not come from Rudy Giuliani. It came from a confidential human FBI source. The FBI said it was from Giuliani, probably to send Weiss into a different direction and also to, again, try and discredit the intelligence because Giuliani is not considered a reliable source these days. So now the FOIA produced emails reveal even more. The FBI's lies. They laundered through the New York Times, were fed directly to Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. You see how this is going. You see what they're trying to do. They're using the media to, as they say in the uh, in, in, in article and on social media, they're using the media to launder these lies through the New York Times to the American people and to Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Because they don't want the American people to understand the just mountain of information against Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. They don't want this to they don't want the American people to believe that this is credible information. It is credible information. They found emails from the FBI's National Press Office office where they had forwarded this Times article to David Weiss and his team which spun evidence obtained by the FBI's field office is actually originating as Giuliani disinformation. I'm going to repeat that because it is important. They found emails from the FBI's national press office where they had forwarded this Times article to David Weiss and his team, 
that spun evidence obtained by the FBI's field office is actually originating as Giuliani disinformation. Why would they do that? Because they wouldn't want Weiss to look closely at this 1023 information. By saying that it was Rudy Giuliani intel, put that in air quotes, well, then they wouldn't pay much attention to it because it is discredited information. Some of that intelligence, by the way, that Hunter Biden served on the board of Burisma to protect Burisma through his dad. That Burisma was coerced by the um, that Burisma was coerced by the Bidens to pay bribes of five million dollars to each Biden, Joe and Hunter, to get that investigation stopped. That there were 17 audio recordings of the Bidens discussing all of this, but they never paid Joe directly and that Joe Biden was the big guy. Now, this is all information that was gleaned from a confidential and credible human source from the FBI or for the FBI. But they didn't want Weiss to pay attention to all of this. And so they said that this was a Giuliani discredited info. James Comer from House Oversight was going back and forth with IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley about that now infamous 1023 and about how the FBI clearly did not want anyone to pay attention to this 1023. Here's part of that conversation. Do you all were you all ever given access to the form 1023 that alleged Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were a part of a bribery scheme with Ukraine? The, the, the reason I ask that is because that allegation is consistent the way that uh, the oligarch claimed he gave the Bidens the bribe is consistent with what we've seen in Romania and other countries where they set up all these shell companies and then they launder the money uh, through the shell companies back down to different Biden family members. So I I wondered if you knew about that form before it became public. So I can speak to that. So in my original transcript, um, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to say that I knew anything about 1023. But I provided a supplement after I saw open source information from the former Attorney General Bill Barr that said that he saw this, this document and they sent it to Delaware for further investigation. And uh, the, 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 the team, as, as far to the best of my knowledge, never saw that document. So the 1023 that the FBI was trying to discredit and hide never made it to the IRS. Who is investigating Hunter Biden? Why would they try and hide that form that supposedly has all of this incriminating information on the Bidens? Because they were trying to protect the Bidens. See, all all of these stories go back to two things. Number one is the clear influence peddling, corruption and bribery that Hunter and Joe Biden were engaged in. And the fact that the FBI and the DOJ, they were trying to protect the president and his son. Because remember, when they're trying to protect Hunter Biden, it's because they were getting very close to Joe Biden. Because he is, of course, intricately and intimately involved. Uh, Joseph Ziegler, by the way, was uh, that second IRS whistleblower. And he was talking about this very thing, that the FBI and the DOJ, they were trying to discredit this 1023. They were also, by the way, also 
not providing this information to the very people that were investigating Hunter Biden from the IRS. So the team that was in charge of investigating the Biden family for tax crimes never received the FBI document that alleged Joe Biden was involved in a bribery scheme. For the IRS investigators on the case, the answer is no. Is that is that odd? I I, I mean, everybody knew you were investigating the Bidens for at least tax evasion. Generally speaking, if there's any types of money coming in and there's a criminal tax investigation ongoing, I don't see how that information could be withheld from the investigators. And I I can tell you and I can provide this in my testimony, but like there is things that are contained on that document that could further corroborate other information that we might be having an issue corroborating because it could be regarding a foreign official. So if we have information regarding that in a document or a witness, we can further corroborate later evidence. And like I said, if that's something that we have, we can turn that over to the House Ways and Means Committee. Thank you. So the big question now is what is going to happen with this impeachment inquiry? You had James Comer and Jim Jordan. They were both on Sean Hannity's show last night. I've got a little bit of that audio for you, but they're both incredibly confident that not only will they have a full vote in the House of Representatives regarding uh, the impeachment inquiry, they also believe that the impeachment inquiry vote will pass and they will begin that process. Again, what this does is this gives them a lot more power to investigate the Bidens. So we'll have to see uh, where that ultimately goes. I do have some of that audio straight ahead here on Red Eye Radio. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. Costs are not the same each month. If 9,600 miles are driven one month and 10,000 miles the next, two different sets of costs apply for each month. For example, if your tractor payment is $1,850 per month and you drive 9,600 miles in the month, your tractor payment is costing you 19.3 cents per mile. Drive 10,000 miles, though, and that same payment will cost you 18.5 cents per mile. This is one of your major fixed costs while paying off a truck loan. The difference in this example is only a fraction of a cent, which may seem like small change, but it ultimately amounts to $960 more annually on the bottom line. Because though fixed costs do not go down over time, you can reduce your cost per mile with more paid miles. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 86690Nation is, I'm 86690Red Eye, I'm sorry, 86690733 is uh, the phone number. And uh, there's a lot going on as it relates to the impeachment inquiry. And and so that's going to be the big question uh, heading into the next uh, congressional session. What is or what will the Republicans 
be able to do. They, they want answers to a lot of this. And, and so there was another development earlier today, an exclu- exclusive from Fox News Digital. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer subpoenaed Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and a whole bunch of several uh, DHS and Secret Service officials for documents and testimony related to the Secret Service's alleged tip-off of the Biden transition team regarding a planned Hunter Biden tax probe interview back in 2020 and also accusing the agencies of obstructing a congressional investigation. So, yeah, they want answers as to why it seems that they tipped off Biden's transition team about this upcoming Hunter interview, which, by the way, never happened Comer told Sean Hannity last night, yeah, this is pretty much par for the course. We have instance after instance throughout this whole investigation to where we've uncovered more information about where the IRS investigation into Hunter Biden, which, as we've heard from the IRS whistleblowers, was leading directly to Joe Biden, was obstructed. And I can tell you from uh, my experience over the past nine months leading this investigation of Biden's Uh, all the influence peddling schemes, that we've been obstructed at every turn, not only by the Biden attorneys, but also by the Department of Justice, by Homeland Security now. We've been obstructed by the media. And see, that is why, and, and, and they'll tell you this, of course, they have been saying this for a long time. That is why the impeachment inquiry is so important. The reason the impeachment inquiry is so important is because they need these powers They need these powers to be able to get the information that they need to ultimately decide whether or not they will move to impeach the president. This is Jim Jordan. That's the same guy that Merrick Garland made the special counsel. So, of course, the fix is in. Jim Jordan's talking about, of course, David Weiss and uh, the new special counsel for the uh, Department of Justice. The White House is getting all ready because they know what's likely to happen later this month. The speaker's been clear about this. If we need to go to an impeachment inquiry phase of our oversight work, we will do that. They're getting ready, but we're going to come at this from all angles. Mr. Comer today subpoenaed documents and individuals from DHS and the Secret Service. Chairman Smith has subpoenaed individuals from the IRS who were part of the investigation into Hunter Biden. We have subpoenaed individuals from the FBI who were part of the investigation. We want them in for depositions. So we're coming at this from three sides to get the facts for the country so we know whether we need to go to impeachment inquiry. But it is looking like more and more every day we need to go to that phase of our oversight work. Well, and and here's the thing. As uh, we continue to go along this merry road of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Burisma and bribery and corruption and influence peddling, is that there's a lot of people that that are out there and, and they'll say, Oh, there's no evidence, which, I mean, people who listen to me in Nashville know this is a really a big irritation of mine. America Studios. 
Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you being here. The phone number remains 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. You know, I was talking earlier about what is going on in a lot of these bigger cities run by Democrats. I feel like it's at this point one of those topics we know, we know, we know. But you know what else we know? We know that millennials and Gen Z, they are among the largest share of residents that are leaving the city of San Francisco. You know, I I do wonder if you got a job in San Francisco. Would you actually go? I mean, there's there's been instances where, you know, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've 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 lived and I've worked all over the country. I I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I have I've had stops in Colorado Springs. I've had stops in Denver, Richmond, Virginia, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Dallas, Texas. I mean, I could go on and on. I've been here in Nashville for about 10 years now where I host a morning show on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. You can check it out uh, morning 6 to 10 Eastern time. But, you know, there's so many great places to to live across America. I know that it, it sometimes seems like we're divided between you know, really, it's two different cultures, isn't it? You know, you've got the, the the big city culture, which really seems to be defined by crime and bad schools and smash and grab robberies and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, very woke ideologies and that kind of thing. That's what that what is what is indicative of the bigger cities. But then you've got some of the other cities that, uh, you know, maybe are are more conservative, like, like for example, Nashville proper and Memphis, of course, uh, here in Tennessee, both run by Democrats. But they're surrounded by conservatism. And so you have a lot of these states. And this is what I love about how you'll, you'll have some of these um, Democrats who will say, oh, well, the you know, for example, <clears throat> one of the knocks on Tennessee, some people will say, well, Tennessee, you know, you've got all that crime in Tennessee and, and Democrats will say that like it's a gotcha moment. Like, oh, look at this Republican state led by Republicans. There's so much crime in Tennessee. Oh, look, the murder rate is up. And then you point out, um, yeah, but th- there's one flaw in your desperate attempt of an argument. And that is that the crime that is going on, while yes, it is in the state of Tennessee, it is actually in the Democrat run cities of Nashville and Memphis. It's like a big old middle finger right back at those people that are, you know, trying to say that these, um, you know, Republican states are full of, you know, murder. Which, you know, I mean, I, I guess you could say that technically they're right because here in Tennessee, you've got Memphis and Nashville that are in our state. But at the same time, what are the reasons why? And it's always the same reasons. And that's why, you know, it is really sad when you meet people. I had um, this was actually really an awkward moment for me. And it's like when you're a talk show host, you just you can't escape the news. You can't escape all of the stuff that that I, I talk about every single day, either on my morning show or, you know, with you folks on Red Eye or filling in across the country, this stuff just, you know, seeps into my everyday conversation because I'm just I mean, I'm not bragging, but I'm well read because I have to be. So I I go to uh, IHOP 
every Sunday morning, uh, my my wife and her family, we, we all go to IHOP and it's just a Sunday morning ritual. And so a few months ago, one of the uh, waitresses who waits on us, you know, pretty consistently said that it was her last day and, and she was going to um, move. And so I'm trying to, you know, not be awkward and I'm trying to participate in the conversation. And it turns out I probably shouldn't have. I said, really? So where are you moving to? And she said, oh, I'm I'm moving to Oregon. And I said, oh, OK, great. You're, you're moving to Oregon. Well, just whatever. Whatever you do, uh, don't don't go to don't go to Portland. And so the, I could see the joy leaves this woman's face, this IHOP waitress. And she said, well, why shouldn't I go to Portland? And I just I start monologuing about the crime, the woke and, and, and all the problems that Oregon has and you know, all of the things that we talk about in uh, you know, talk radio every single day about these Democrat run cities. And Portland is certainly one of them that is facing a massive amount of challenges from crime to homelessness, et cetera. It's like if somebody told you, you know, as you listen to Red Eye Radio and you listen to talk radio, it's like if somebody told you they were moving to San Francisco. What's the first thing that you think of? The crime, the feces in the street, the drugs. And the Democrats, that's what you think of. Well, when this woman said to our table that she was moving to Portland, I couldn't help myself. I tried to stop. My wife was actually kicking me in the shin, telling me to shut up. Like only wives can do with their feet kicking your shin. And I tried to stop and I I talked myself into a corner where at the end of this, you know, 90 second diatribe about this poor waitress's new home of Portland, Oregon, I managed then to say, but you know what? The trees are really nice. And there's a lot of hiking trails as I desperately tried to figure out a way out of this monologue that I had uh, started to go down the path of. But you see, it is true. You know, here here in, and I don't know, you know, where you live, obviously, this is a sadly kind of a one-way conversation sometimes, but so, but in your state, you no doubt if you live in, you know, Illinois, you know that Chicago's a crap hole, particularly the south side of Chicago. You know the places to go and you know the places not to go. If you live in New York, it's the same thing here in Tennessee. It's uh, Memphis. Memphis is like the joke of Tennessee. And so when you see these cities and, and you see the Democrats and, you know, they try and portray these cities of, you know, as sort of, you know, these shining beacons of whatever it's like they're really not they're really they used to be but they're not any longer and so when you see the headline from the new york post millennials and gen z among the largest share of residents leaving san francisco that tells you that you know some of these uh middle middle agers they're realizing and, and some of the younger you know folks as well they're realizing that there are things that you can do in life to put yourself in a position to succeed and, and living in, in places like San Francisco, that does not, at least in my opinion, put you in a in a place to succeed. It, it simply doesn't. Now, for the last couple of weeks, I was sort of, you know, shame spiraling over this conversation that I had with this 
waitress where I, I again went on this diatribe, this monologue about how much, you know, Portland sucks. And, um, you know, my my uh, a buddy of mine who actually is a liberal said, you know, you were trying to help her in your own really awkward way because what you were trying to tell her was, you know, maybe you might want to try to find a place in the suburbs. I, I OK, maybe he was trying to make me feel better. But you ever you ever get to that point in your personal relationships where you you allow all of the things that you know and all of the things that you see and and the things that you read and watch and you start just bloviating to people that you know or or maybe your family who may not necessarily want to hear your little diatribe and and, and part of part of my um part of the conversation on this i think has to be well that all really started I mean, it's been going on for a long time. People have talk, spoken about politics forever, but it really took a, a really a new turn when Donald Trump was, uh, you know, announced that he was running for president and he was elected. Because then the, the political discourse in this country, the political rhetoric in this country, it, it got really heated. And it wasn't just for the talking heads on TV on Saturday or Sunday. No, it, it was everyday Americans. Who are paying ever so closer attention to what's going on around us. And as we see what's going on around us, we are becoming even more opinion opinionated, especially people on the left. Because they have certainly been on the attack. When it comes to people like Donald Trump, his supporters, secondarily Ron DeSantis and so forth. And so I think the people on the right, you know, we're becoming and I can say that as, as somebody who's conservative. And, and so we're becoming more aggressive on our side as well, because we're tired of being on the uh, defense. I mean, I've been filling in for, you know, Red Eye for several years now, and I probably, you know, had the given you the monologue about how and made the statement that I'm so incredibly frustrated with the Republican Party because they spend so much time on defense because for years they didn't want to be called the R word. They didn't want to be called racist. There was a time in my career where I was scared to death to talk about what was going on in Memphis here in Tennessee because a lot of the issues that they have in Memphis, they're cultural in nature. You know, you talk about fatherless households and you talk about fatherless Households in the black community and, and, and you look at the impact that that has on crime, the impact that that has generationally and how that fosters more and more crime, more and more of these kids that are absolutely out of control because they have no father to teach them about respect for authority and respect for laws. And there was a time in, in this country, I, I believe that time has passed now, but there was a time in this country where as a white person, you weren't allowed to talk about that. Well, I believe those times have passed because good people have to stand up for the communities that really need help. And so when somebody like me will, you know, go down the road of, you know, fatherless households and their impact on society, their impact on crime and their impact on schooling and so forth, 
you know, I feel like I'm standing up for I'm not criticizing that community. I'm standing up for it. I'm standing up for those kids who don't have a father. Because I want those kids to have some guidance. I want betterment for those communities. I want those communities to be better. And so whether you're talking about the millennials and Gen Z leaving San Francisco, people fleeing Chicago, people fleeing Memphis and some of these other areas, you know, I, I guess part of the question is, are these areas, do you think that they're actually going to be able to recover? Because you know what happens when you got millennials and Gen Z, you know what happens when they leave, right? That means you've only got the filth and the squalor left. A lot of those people aren't working. A lot of those people aren't paying taxes. A lot of those people are just stealing. And doing whatever godforsaken things that they do in those areas. And so I don't know what you do to fix the problems that the left has created in these cities, whether it is Memphis or San Francisco or Chicago. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know under the under our current system. Under our current political system, the only thing these these communities can do is is vote differently and vote Republican, but they won't do it. And because they won't do it, they'll never change. Those communities will never change. They can stand up and scream at the very same politicians that they voted for. But at the end of the day, they're just going to vote for the next Democrat. And therefore, these communities have fallen. And I don't know if they'll ever make it back. And you do pray for the good people of San Francisco. You do pray for the good people of Chicago. You do pray for the good people of Memphis. And there's a lot of good people in Nashville and in a lot of these other cities. But there's a lot of good people that simply cannot afford to flee. And those are the people that I feel sorry for because they are falling victim to the defund the police movement. They're falling victim to the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm not talking about the sentiment. I'm talking about the political organization. Those are the people that I really feel sorry for. And so when someone like me castigates and and, and talks about all of the things that are going on in these communities, it's not, I know it can seem as like a constant barrage of criticism from people like me and others, but it's out of love and compassion and not out of hatred. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Eight six six ninety red has a phone number eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Dan, in for Gary and Eric. This is Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. And the phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. This is a pretty big deal. You know, I mentioned this earlier in the broadcast. This is at the top of the Daily Mail. Now, the Daily Mail, uh, people will say, oh, that's just, you know, one of these gossip websites. It's really not. It's a legit news organization, the Daily Mail. And at the top of the fold for the Daily Mail is a story that I brought you earlier. Joe Biden is slammed for having a lack of respect after walking out of a Medal of Honor ceremony early and leaving a Vietnam War hero awkwardly listening to the closing benediction on his own. So basically what happened is he's got this, uh, you know, very old Medal of Honor. He's a Vietnam War hero, and he's he's getting this uh, award. But before the thing is even over, Joe Biden just leaves. He just he starts wandering and he leaves. And, and so, you know, for me, I just thought, well, it's another occasion of our elderly, elderly president wandering. But this is turning into it would seem to me anyway, a, a pretty big deal. Joe Biden has sparked backlash after he hastily exited a Medal of Honor ceremony at the White House leaving a celebrated war hero awkwardly alone on stage. The the 80-year-old Biden quickly made his way out of the East Room after awarding the nation's highest military honor to a guy by the name of Larry Taylor, 81 years old, a retired Army captain celebrated for his heroics during the Vietnam War. But while Taylor shed a tear, As the medal was pinned to his lapel, Joe Biden appeared less moved by the moment as he was reportedly already heading out the door before the closing benediction was actually read. And so you look at this video and it is kind of heartbreaking, actually, because he just he pins the he pins the medal. And then he leaves and nobody really knows what to do because our wandering president, you know, everybody knows, I guess, that he's supposed to stay through the benediction, but he doesn't. He just he exits the stage and he leaves. And as he's leaving, heads are sort of following him out the door and people are like, where's he? Where's he going? And I just wonder. Do they not tell the president what he's supposed to be doing or where he's supposed to be going. You know, what is his cue? Because there's part of the story that's out there today where you you have the book, and we covered this extensively yesterday, where you have this book where they're talking about how Biden gets frustrated because he feels like he is treated like a baby. At least that is according to the book. Well, I think this is part of the reason why. Because they can't really trust the president 
to do the things that he is supposed to do. There's a there's some audio. I want to play it for you. And I think it, it's, it's actually kind of funny. And it's funny because it's Morning Joe. Now, if you don't know anything about Morning Joe, well, congratulations. I, I, I know enough to uh, not like them. And so it's Joe Scarborough. It's Mika Brzezinski, his wife. And and, and Joe Biden can do no uh, wrong in their minds, it would appear. And, and so this book really has shown a light, uh, according to, you know, multiple sources, on the fact that the Biden staff, the Biden administration is having trouble dealing with his age. And that coupled with the poll from the Wall Street Journal that shows that there's there there's thousands, millions, millions of Americans. I think it was a 77 percent. I think it was 77 percent that show that they feel like Joe Biden is too old for the uh, White House. And so then when you see stories of Biden just leaving these ceremonies for, I mean, at the wrong time, clearly. People start wondering and doubting the president. Which, by the way, makes all the sense in the world. And so this is morning, Joe. This was, I think it was either, uh, well, it'd be yesterday morning when they're talking about this at new poll that shows Wall Street Journal It shows that even the vast majority of Democrats believe the president's too old. And a lot of Democrats are saying it's because he's too old. That's what's underlying this entire poll is Joe Biden's numbers are low because right now Americans think he's too old to do the job. Now, here's the thing. He was talking about the the overall uh, numbers of the Wall Street Journal, which did show a couple of things. Number one. Donald Trump, Joe Biden effectively tied in a general election. Now, these general elections are one lost in the states. Everybody knows that. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But what then when you look at the battleground states, Donald Trump is doing really well. But the president is underwater in so many different things. He's underwater on the economy. He's underwater on the border. He's underwater on COVID response. He's underwater when it comes to his interactions with China. And so for, you know, Joe and Mika, they're trying to say that the reason why the president is getting such low marks is because of his age. Now, let me ask you a question. When you go into the grocery store or you go to the gas station and you're paying more money. And let's also not forget about interest rates that are sky high. Let's also not forget about, you know, what's going on for a lot of people who lost money in their 401ks. They had to pull money out of their 401k to pay their bills back when inflation was 9.1%. So when when all of that is going on, are, are you thinking that you disapprove of the president because he's old? No. You disapprove of the president because of what you're paying for a gallon of gas or a loaf of bread. But see, Morning Joe thinks it's about his age. You know, you know, what this is becoming akin to this is becoming akin to if you criticize uh, Kamala Harris, it's because you're a racist. Now, if you're criticizing Joe Biden, It's because you are an ageist, at least according to 
Morning Joe. But I think you're right that there is the age factor is playing into this and it, and I know how frustrated the White House is on both of those counts. But the age factor Joe Biden can try and joke about it, but it's still uh, it's still a looming factor. I mean, the White House doesn't want to talk about age, I understand, but it colors everything. It colors everything. <clears throat> if you look at what he's done in foreign policy, you look at how the economy's going right now, these are numbers that should be giving any president a huge lift. And it's just not happening here. Well, listen, the, 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 the point is, is that the economy, I, they still keep trying to say that Bidenomics is working. I, I don't believe that it is. But I've always said this about uh, econo- uh, economics in the economy. I've always said that you, you can take any economy. And you can find a, a little nugget of positive in that economy. And I think that's perhaps part of what they're trying to do. But at least to me, by and large, it, it is clear that people are still suffering under Bidenomics. You, you just you can't deny that. You can't deny that even though it's down for inflation is down from where it was, that we are still paying more money for everything. I mean, the other day we went over, you know, how much more people are paying in school supplies and school clothes. And so the more that they try to spin this, quite frankly, the the worse that they look. And now you've got Joe Scarborough and others out there saying, well, it's not that, you know, his policies are bad. It's because you're just ageist. And I, I think that that is for the Democrats. That is going to start getting old really Really quick, because, you know, I think the vast majority of the American people will say, really, is that all you got? I'm complaining because my grocery bills are, you know, two hundred dollars more every single trip to the uh, grocery store or, you know, three, four five hundred dollars more uh, per month. And you're telling me that 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 because I'm complaining about this and I'm frustrated about this, it's not because I'm frustrated with uh, the the cost of a gallon of gas, it's because I'm criticizing the president because of his age. I don't think that's going to fly with the American people. I don't even think that's going to fly with the Democrats. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Dan Mendes here. This is Red Eye Radio. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Of course, a lot of people uh, talking about this new book portraying Joe Biden as, uh, you know, being treated like a baby in the White House. The uh, book is called The Last Politician Inside Joe Biden's White House and the Struggle for America's Future. The Atlantic's Franklin Foer. Uh, wrote the book, and he says that Biden felt like he was being babied after he quipped that Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power while addressing a crowd in Warsaw, Poland, back in March of 2022. So this came up during the White House press briefing uh, yesterday with Corinne Jean-Pierre and Peter Ducey. President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby? 
no one treats the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, uh, like a baby. So there's this book that says That's ridiculous. when staff ridiculous back claim. what sounded like a call for regime change in Russia, the President, uh, quote, rather than owning his failure, he fumed to friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that? So look, uh, I'll say this. Um, there's going to be a range, always, a range of books uh, that are uh, about every administration, as you know, uh, that's going to have a variety of claims. That is not unusual. That happens all the time. And we're not going to litigate those here. That's something that we're not going to uh, speak to. There is one thing that I do want to, because I think I was asked this question last week by one of your colleagues about this particular excerpt uh, that they uh, were referring to. And so I'll say this. you know. We did see the excerpt, excerpt go, the context uh, of the excerpt, and it seemed to be making the opposite overall point about how the value of his experience and wisdom resulted in rallying the free world against authoritarianism, which is important. We have seen this. You all have seen this. And passage of the most historic agenda in recent history in his handling of foreign policy, like rallying the world around Ukraine, as you just heard from our national security, national security advisor, who laid out in really good questions that your colleagues asked about how the president is moving forward, about Ukraine, uh, about kind of leading into these conversations that he's going to be having at the G20. So they, they keep going down this road of, you know, wisdom. And I, I guess it's the only place they can go. And, and this comment from Biden the other day is, um, you know, I think he was in front of a bunch of union workers, but he was talking about uh, his age. And, and it seems like specifically this book. I'll tell you what, someone said, you know, uh, that Biden, he's getting old, man. i tell you what. I mean, not someone, literally everyone <laughs> Is saying that you're too old, Joe. Well, guess what? Guess what? I can, you know, the only thing that comes today is a little bit of wisdom. I've, I've, I've been doing this longer than anybody, and I guess what? I'm going to continue to do it with your help. Is it just me, or is he channeling like Bill Clinton? Like, like if you, if you listen to that, he sounds like Bill Clinton. Well, guess what? Guess what? I did not have sex with that. Well, guess what? Guess what? Now, by the I way, had- uh, here, here's a funny thing. So I've got like a nine-year-old stepson. And uh, when he was younger, just going back to Joe Biden being treated like a baby. Do you know what he does all the time? At least he used to before he matured a little bit. He used to always say, guess what? Guess what? Well, guess what? That's what that's what my my I think he was probably six when he was obsessed with saying. Well, guess what? Guess, guess what? what? Yeah. I- right, so that is Joe Biden. I got to tell you that uh, watching the the left and the media, although the media is beginning to um, spin out of of their Biden protection uh, mode that they've been in for so long. And and so they're finally now starting to just dip their toe into accurately covering the president. But, you know, you you heard. you heard Corinne Jean-Pierre, and she's talking about how the president, he, you know, he's not treated like a baby. That is a ridiculous assertion to make. And, you know, she's talking about how the president has wisdom and all these other things. And again, you just heard President Biden in that audio bite from earlier also talking about wisdom. And I think just because you're old doesn't mean that you have wisdom. DailyMail.com asking uh, cringe Jean-Pierre about the Biden um, administration and, and the fact that they say anyway 
that they don't like to uh, cover uh, things or do things, have events and so forth before 10 a.m. because the president gets tired. But she's always talking about, you know, all of this, um, all of these record breaking policies that and legislation that Joe Biden has uh, put forward. I don't know where she gets that from. I mean, I really don't, because, you know, say what you will, but the deficit is still skyrocketing. He has spent a lot of money. He can make a claim that he has created jobs and manufacturing jobs. When in reality, by the way, like all presidents, uh, he's not being truthful about the amount of jobs that he has, quote unquote, uh, created. And when he's talking about how, you know, inflation is going down, you know, he'll say that it's because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, no. Cringe on Pierre will say the same thing. He cut inflation. No, he didn't cut inflation. The reason why inflation went down is because a lot of that money that was infused into our economy from all those Biden stimulus package and the Trump uh, stimulus packages as well. Well, that money finally, you know, dissolved. And, and so now Americans have less money. And so now you're going to see inflation starting to, of course, go back down. But when she keeps talking about all of the the great, you know, the great job that Joe Biden is doing, and I played you the audio of Joe Scarborough saying that the reason why Joe Biden is so unpopular these days is because he's old. That that is not true. As I said, it is because of, number one, the policies and, and number two, it's because Every other day, Wandering Joe strikes again. And today, and you're probably going to see, you know, if you watch, uh, you know, the news, various news channels, you know, here in the next 24 hours, you're going to see this story of Wandering Joe walking out on the 81-year-old heroic Vietnam veteran who was getting that Medal of Honor. And Joe just left him stranded all alone on the stage as he just walks out the door. And, you know, the other thing that I would say to Joe Scarborough, the other thing that I would say to Corinne Jean-Pierre is Joe keeps telling to, I mean, it's like maddening now where people are are beginning to lose their ever-loving minds when Joe continues to tell the same tired Joe stories over and over again, specifically the stories that have been refuted and debunked time and time again. Specifically, the story about how his kitchen caught on fire, where, you know, he says the firefighters saved Joe. We lost a big portion of our the firefighters saved Jill and it took out, you know, a big part of our home. And we almost lost a couple of firefighters that day. None of that ever happened. None of that ever happened. And so the American people, you know, we're paying attention to this stuff. You know, we're paying attention to. Not only the economy, but we're also paying attention to what the president says and what the president does. And it has nothing to do with his age. It has everything to do with his policy and his behavior, which is bizarre and strange, to say the least. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339.
866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. One of my uh, local listeners had reminded me, because I was uh, I, I host a morning show here in Nashville, Tennessee, on Super Talk, 99.7 WTN, I'm the morning show host. And one of my listeners, I was talking earlier in the uh, program, as I fill in for Gary and Eric, by the way, they return Sunday night, Monday morning. And I was talking about the, the challenges of a lot of these bigger cities. And I, and I specifically mentioned Memphis. And I was specifically talking about, you know, the issues that Memphis is having with, you know, fatherless households and the problems with, you know, criminals and, and youth and you know, just all of the cultural problems that cities like Memphis have. And so this is not necessarily unique to Memphis. However, as a Tennessee-based talk show host, I, I was reminded of a of a conversation that I had covered. This was a couple of weeks ago, where here in the state of Tennessee, we've been debating, you know, any number of things. We had a whole special session rela- related to, you know, gun rights and keeping kids safe and all of that. But one of the things in the manifesto that, uh, you know, of course, that conversation out of the Covenant School shooting, and there's a manifesto that the shooter wrote that I believe because of woke reasons will never see the light of day because the, the shooter was, you know, transgender and all these other things. But the point is, is that during that special session, there was one lawmaker who, who stood up. And I loved what Representative Joe Towns Jr. had to say. Now, he is black. He is out of Memphis. And so this guy has a front seat to all of the problems that Memphis has. And he has been trying to fix those problems. And as all of this is going on, as they talk about legislation, He says, you know, maybe what we need to talk about instead of all of this legislation, maybe what we need to talk about is parenting. Many of these problems are not problems that you're going to remedy with gun control, pen or paper or pad. In our country, Mr. Chairman, things have changed to a point where there's such a a moral decay in our society. And many of the problems are... When you were a child, parents did not tolerate the stuff they tolerate today. We were raised totally different. The raising of children in America has gone to pots. (laughs) Man, is he right. You know, I I would wonder, when, when you think back on how your parents raised you, is it different from the way that you're raising your kids? Now, I'm 55, and and my adult children are now (laughs) adults. So I can honestly say that, no, I raised my kids, generally speaking, the way that, you know, my parents raised me. But if you've got like a three, a four, a five, a six-year-old, are you raising those kids the way that your parents raised you? Now, let's face it, the, the challenges that our parents that, that our parents faced are far different from the challenges that you're facing. Because you, as a parent, 
you're dealing with things like social media. You're dealing with things like, you know, the woke agendas in schools, politicized woke school boards, all of those things. And so Joe Towns Jr., this uh, representative out of Memphis, he understands all of that. He understands that, you know, we can't legislate ourselves out of a sociological and a cultural issue. And even though we're talking about, you know, Joe Towns Jr., a black man who is a representative out of Memphis, this isn't necessarily simply a a a black problem. It is a cultural issue that we have within society today where kids are just they're aimless and they're rudderless and they they have no real direction. And yes, a good part of that is because we have, for the most part, a lot of parents have sort of abdicated their their the rearing of their children to social media and to their phones and to this whole online world that parents don't even really know what is going on within those online worlds. And so this Democrat out of Memphis serving an area where he has seen juvenile crime go up exponentially in recent years in in his city continues to devolve into chaos and crime. He says this is the type of discussion that we should be having. It's not about guns. It's not about manifestos. It's about parenting. There are many men in this room that are older than you, and they understand the standards that their parents had. I didn't say the police. I didn't say the principal. I didn't say the church. I said what their parents would allow them to do. One of the big mistakes we made years ago is we took discipline totally out of the equation with any child as it relates to schools, which bled over into the homes. An undisciplined young person, like an undisciplined man or woman, will be eventually a dangerous person. I mean, he's right. Because he has seen it time and time again. You know, back in September in, in Memphis, we had that mass shooting where a, a 19 year old streamed his crime and it, it was absolutely sick and he killed a handful of people. That deranged behavior, again, that guy was 19 years old. That deranged behavior does not start when he turns 18. No. It started when he was a kid. And his story, like so many others, you look at the the backgrounds of all of these criminals out there, and the vast majority of those kids had no father in the home. Family and parenting is absolutely critical. And Joe Towns, for one, he gets it. There's no way in the world you could be a kid in my mother's house at 15 years old, at 21 years old, and have a doggone gun and she doesn't know about it or the daddy didn't know about it they would beat the bark off your butt and they meant it and then i gonna tell you twice okay they meant what they say so while we're looking at these we're looking in one narrow vein in order to try to solve a problem that's become a part of our our dna at, at this country to solve a problem that's not going to be we got to have uh, these all these pistons firing and all of them are critical law enforcement is critical churches are critical schools are critical Parents are critical, even more critical. 
I mean, look, I hate to bring up, you know, it takes a village, but that's kind of what Towns is saying. And, and so one of the things that he brought up, and by the way, when he's talking about the schools, he's talking about the church, he's talking about parenting, and, and you know, a little bit he's going to talk about uh, the neighborhood. And while I do understand that everyone who is conservative will bristle at the notion that it takes a village, it takes a parent to get that kid into church. It takes a parent to instill in that child that they need to respect authority and take school seriously and to respect your neighbors. Now, coming up next, Joe Towns Jr., this lawmaker out of Memphis, who is saying on the um, in the state legislature here in the state of Tennessee that we cannot legislate ourselves out of societal and cultural problems He's going to bring up the topic of tough love. And this is commentary that you don't want to miss. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. We'll return next on Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. Playing you some audio of and a lot of people reacting to it. Representative Joe Towns Jr. He is a state lawmaker here in the state of Tennessee. I am a Tennessee-based talk show host uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, he was on the floor of the state house, and he was talking about how, you know, here in Tennessee, we had this rather epic special session. And it was all about, among other things, protecting our kids and, you know, how to prevent school shootings. And it was a, to me, it was a complete waste of time by and large. But Joe Towns getting up and, and really talking about how we have societal problems uh, here in America. We have cultural problems here in America. We have a parenting problem here in America. And, and so one thing that if you were listening previously, you know that he he sort of dipped his toe into, you know, it takes the neighborhood, it takes the church, it takes the school, it takes parenting. Kind of dipped his toe and he is by the way a democrat. And so he sort of dipped his toe into it, it takes a, a village. And he also brought up tough tough love, you know, the whole uh, saying uh, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. So Towns brought up that these days parents are simply afraid to discipline their kids and, and, you know, spanking. Remember when we had all those debates over that that football player, Adrian Peterson? Remember that using a switch on his kid to get him to behave and how insane that was? Well, Towns was uh, talking about spanking kids and, and using spanking as a way to keep their kids heads on straight. Listen. Here's part of what he had to say. Again, this is Joseph Towns Jr. With them, some knuckleheads decide to make it almost impossible for you to spank your child. Okay, see, in the black community, we whoop your butt, and the white community it wasn't so much. We knew what we had coming. 
But when the law changed, it took a lot of the way. Well, I, I can't do nothing to him because he can call the police on me. Well, let me give you some good news. My daddy told me, he said, son, I'll whoop your ass in front of the police. Pardon me. And then you got to go with them. OK, there you go. That Joseph Towns Jr. Oh, and there's more. And, and, and listen, there's there's nothing that he is saying. That is not absolutely spot on. And so one thing that he brings up, and it makes sense, of course, is that it used to be we would all stick together as a neighborhood. Parents looked out for each other. And now it's just litigious and spiteful. And everybody argues all the time. And I remember a day, and I bet you do too, where my dad, in no uncertain terms, let me know what I was doing wrong. And so even it came, even if... It came from a neighbor, which sadly happened often when I was a kid. And and I can still see that look on his face when he would get angry. And he would be disappointed in the way that I would acted, even if I was, you know, sort of smarting off to a neighbor. My dad, he wouldn't tolerate it. And we didn't have no Internet and all this stuff. And they knew your mama and daddy knew it before you got back home. And you thought your mama and daddy was spying on you, following you. How your mama, how, how she went down there? But grown folk were all together against the bad behavior of children, okay? Well, Ms. Johnson said, you did this, that, and other. He said, Mama, I didn't do that. First thing, you might get a slap. You calling her a lie. You, you calling Ms. Johnson a lie? Well, you <laughs> say you didn't do it. That's, she said you did do it. Why is she lying on you? You calling her a lie? They had us under control, okay? And so all we're doing, we have to look at some other things to get children back. Police can't do it after the fact. The legislature can't do it after the fact. We need everybody trying to get this problem under control. Well, look, he's right. That is Joseph Towns Jr. He is a lawmaker out of Memphis and and he's black. And he is, again, not to belabor the point, but he is out of Memphis and, and he has seen Memphis spiral into crime and drugs, fatherless households, uh, teenagers having you know, kids out of wedlock. The schools are terrible and, and, and he's tired of it. And so that's when when we, we talk about, you know, what is going on in these Democrat run cities. It, it's emblematic of what's happening with, um, you know, some of these cultures where there are so many fatherless households and you could fix a lot of these problems. I'm just telling you, friends, you could fix a lot of these problems in these various cities. If we just had fathers in the household, if we just were able to uh, rear these kids and teach these kids to respect law and order and to respect authority. Representative Representative Joe Towns Jr. uh, on this particular thing, a Democrat, he is absolutely spot on. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. 
Appreciate you listening. 86690 Red Eye is the phone number. 86690733. There is uh, a lot going on out there. You know, they're trying to 14th Amendment the president in uh, relation to January 6th. We're, we're going to talk about that. There, there is so much going on as far as January 6th and what is going on with these uh, various defendants, these proud boys. This is in the news today where another proud boy has been sentenced to a, a really, really long prison sentence. And, and Eric Bowling on Newsmax was uh, talking about this and covering this. And, you know, when when you listen to these sentences of these proud boys and, and they're basically accusing them of, you know, being partly the instigators, along with Donald Trump, of course. But they're accusing these proud boys of being the the instigators of what happened on January 6th. But they're charging these guys. And, and I don't know how you describe January 6th. Do you describe January 6th as an insurrection or do you call it vandalism? Do you call it you know, trespassing or a riot that got out of control. That That's kind of what I, I call it a, a, a protest that got out of control. That's how I refer to it. Other people may call it a riot. I, I would refer to it as a protest that did, uh, you know, go out of control. But I also don't believe that these proud boys, these, um, you know, instigators of, of January 6th, which I don't know if if they did or not. But do they really deserve 13, 15, 17, 20 years for their role in January 6th, which is, again, a protest that, uh, you know, went uh, got out of control a little bit? I don't think so. And Eric Bowling was talking about these sentences. A district judge, Timothy Kelly, gave several Proud Boy members extensive sentences for essentially trespassing in the Capitol. A man named Joe Biggs will serve 17 years behind bars for being in the Capitol for 20 minutes where he peacefully protested. He has a six-year-old daughter and a mother with cancer. Also, there's a former United States Marine, Zachary Rell. He'll receive 15 years for nonviolent crimes on January 6th. And a one-time leader in the Proud Boys, Ethan Nording, was in the Capitol walking past the Capitol Police and is now branded a domestic terrorist and sentenced to 18 years in prison. Yeah, and they, these guys, they, they're in front of the judge. They're begging for their freedom. They're essentially begging for their lives. And and the judge clearly just doesn't care. And so for, for these these three men, and, and by the way, there's a lot of other January Sixers out there that, that are still, you know, rotting in prison. I understand why Donald Trump and others would say, you know, we need to look at these and we need to, you know, perhaps consider pardoning these folks. Because you can look at a, you know, you can look at these, uh, you know, three proud boys. And and again, you've got these really long sentences and you think, man, you know, put compare those to some of these other guys that commit crimes and and they don't get nearly the sentences that these guys do. Now, now the the point that that I have always made regarding January 6th is that the Democrats and and the politicians in Washington DC clearly they care more about their house, the Capitol, than your house. Reason being, and they care more about their neighborhood than your neighborhood. And the reason being is because it clearly shows, clearly, 
clearly shows that they are far more passionate about, you know, protecting their own than protecting you and your own. And 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 by the way, a lot of these uh, Democrats want to take away your Second Amendment right to bear arms. And so on the one hand, you know, they're they're allowing all of these criminals in all of these different states with these, you know, George Soros prosecutors to, you know, run rampant. Yet they'll give these guys, you know, 15, 17, 20 year census. Are you flipping kidding me? It just it seems extreme. And I'm not even going to say it seems a little extreme. It seems a lot extreme. Back in January, a criminal named Gerald Harris shot a father in broad daylight 11 times as the father was walking with his two children to school in Washington, D.C. That gunman got a plea deal to voluntary manslaughter and a 13-year sentence from a D.C. judge. Our Justice Department now saying these three proud boys deserve more than double the time behind bars than a man who committed murder walking his kids to school. This clearly shows two sets of justice in America. Yeah, and and clearly he's right. Eric Bowling is right. And you can't deny, and I'm not going to, you know, go through this, um, you know, segment yet again. You can't deny that here in America, we do have, number one, uh, two tiers of justice. That's number one. But number two, you can't deny the crime that is happening uh, across America. Look at what's coming across our southern border. With all of the issues with, you know, drugs, we have, you know, possible terrorists coming across our southern border. We've got, you know, the drug cartels bringing drugs in as well. And and even when we catch those guys, you don't get 20 year prison sentences. So why do the Proud Boys get these really long and, yeah, I would say extreme sentences for simply a protest that that went awry. And listen, I'm not saying that what they did was right. I'm not saying that that what they did was, you know, something that they shouldn't be punished for. They should be punished. But really, for that long? And especially, I don't know, I I don't believe that these guys would be a, a threat to society. I think they probably learned their lesson. And sometimes, you know what? Stuff happens. And yeah, January 6th did happen. And it was not a good moment in America. I think part of what this is, though, you you look at what happened on January 6th and you look at what happened with, you know, Nancy Pelosi and a lot of the folks there that uh, did not, uh, as far as the intelligence goes, they didn't tell the Capitol Police what was going on, the threats on January 6th. The fact that they were looking for uh, more security and Donald Trump asked for more security. He approved more security and there was not more security provided. More security was not provided. And so I think that there's plenty of blame to go around. But for me, when I saw how how long these prison sentences are, it is crazy. And so you look at what's happening with with these guys. Then you look at what's happening with Donald Trump in some of these various states regarding the 14th Amendment. Now, if you don't know what's going on, you've got you've got the uh, Trump and, and he is, of course, as you know, he's being, you know, indicted in, in four different uh, cases. I think there's 91 total indictments 
And it's really ugly. But one of the things that they're trying to do is remove Donald Trump from some of these various states based on the 14th Amendment. And so we're going to get into that coming up next. Your phone call is also uh, welcome at 866-90-RED-EYE. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mattis here in for Gary and Eric. This is Red Eye Radio. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. Due to safety concerns, many motor carriers have policies that limit or prohibit the use of cruise control. If your motor carrier does allow you to use cruise control, you should only use it in good driving conditions during daylight hours and on roads that have light traffic, few curves or hills, and a consistent speed limit. Never use cruise control when operating in adverse driving conditions, including wet, icy, or slippery roads, during rush hour in heavy traffic or on congested highways, at night, or when you're tired or fatigued. During all of these driving scenarios, you want to be controlling and adjusting your speed as you drive instead of having to suddenly brake if you encounter an obstacle. In the case of a slippery road surface, you want to be able to slow your vehicle by not accelerating instead of using the brakes whenever possible. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, the uh, phone number, 866-907-3339. Uh, talking about the these sentences, these really long sentences for these uh, Proud Boys, January Sixers. You've got Zachary Real, Joe Biggs, and an Oath Keeper founder, Stuart Rhodes. And, I mean, you're talking about really long prison sentences, 15, 17, 18 years for, you know, as they say, nonviolent crimes. And I think for for me, this just it it's just another piece of obvious evidence that shows that in, in this country, you know, it seems to me like we are protecting the violent criminals and we're going after these guys, which, you know, simply, at least to me, it seems like they were. Yes, it was not good. I'm not excusing their behavior. It was a protest gone awry. It was a protest that turned violent. Kind of saw that during the Black Lives Matter riots, too, didn't you? How many of those folks were prosecuted? In other words, all these guys did ultimately, and I I understand that they're going to say that what they were doing, they were, you know, part of the organizers of the insurrection. But at the same time, I just believe that these are these are sentences that are far, far too long. And a lot of people saying this is um, indicative of these this uh, two tiers of justice. Let's see what you think. Brenda is in Portland. Uh, six. The uh, phone number is eight six six ninety Red Eye. Brenda is in Portland on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Brenda. Hey. Yeah. Hey. I yeah. Have... Go ahead. Um, I live out here in Portland. I don't know how many followers back Black Lives Matter out here, but it was ridiculous. It destroyed our entire city, shut down many businesses, forced the courthouses to erect fences, and they sustained lots of damage, including arson. 
held our police out here in Seattle hostage by blocking doorways and things, yet there was not a single person prosecuted. And yeah, that and, was and, a good and, case and, of and, and, and Brenda, you're right, and I appreciate the call. You're right. I mean, you you look at oh gosh, I wish I could pull it up real quick. Maybe I'll have an opportunity. But you look at in in all of these because Brenda's spot on. You look at all of the damage done by the George Floyd Summer of Love protests, right? I mean, you are talking about billions and billions of dollars of damage, not even. Close to what the uh, Capitol building in Washington, D.C. suffered. Yet again, very few people were prosecuted for that vandalism. As a matter of fact, didn't the um, didn't local police, I, I think it was local lawmakers, actually, that said, well, yeah, you've got to just let them riot it out. You know, just let them get it out of their system. Remember that that whole thing? That was insanity. And again, Brenda's right. Very few of those folks actually faced any kind of justice. Uh, Enzo is calling from Green, New York on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Enzo, how are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Hey, great topic. I love your show. This is a travesty to the Constitution of America. This wasn't an insurrection. It was was 100% what you had said. It was a protest that went awry. Period. Amen. And again, Brenda was also correct. What happened to the Black Lives Matter? What happened to the young lady that was killed in D.C. during, during this, this riot? Did, did that officer get, get any time for it? We don't know, do we? And what happened to all those people that burned down the cities, ruined the businesses of lives, of, of people's lives, you know, people that had gotten hurt? This is totally, totally unjustified. And, totally Enzo, I pre- and Enzo, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. And, yeah, you know, one of the things as, uh, you know, you you look at everything that happened on uh, January 6th, then, you know, I, I just I don't know any other way to explain it other than it was a protest gone awry. And, and by the way, certainly Donald Trump, I, I don't believe that Trump is uh, in any way responsible for the uh, it's not an insurrection, whatever it is you want to call it. Donald Trump was not responsible, no matter how much they will try to pin this on uh, Trump. And, and they they may actually get him, you know, on something. It wouldn't surprise me, just like they may get him in uh, with Fannie, Fannie Willis out there in, in Fulton County. You know, they may get Donald Trump on some sort of a charge or some sort of charges. Because my question to you would be this. Do you really think that in a district, where Joe Biden won by 77 percent and and where in this district in Fulton County, she literally ran. On getting Donald Trump convicted for trying to overturn the election or whatever it is that however she framed it. You have a district attorney that that ran on that platform. Do you really think that Donald Trump is going to be able to get a fair trial there in uh, Fulton County? In Georgia, no, he's not going to be able to get a fair trial there. Anybody who knows anything about what is going on in um, Atlanta, in Fulton County, and Fannie Willis knows that this is a politicized process. 
And now here we are with these January 6th uh, defendants getting 15, 17 and 18 years in uh, jail for these nonviolent crimes. It, it is really sad. And I agree with some of you folks who are hitting me up on social media at Dan Manda show. Uh, yeah, you know what? You could very easily make the argument that, yes, this is an attack on freedom. I, I will just say. That the, the thing that is painfully obvious is that for the uh, Republicans. This attack on our side of the aisle, uh, politically and legally, is not going to go away. I was talking to somebody the other day and, uh, you know, it was all about Donald Trump. But then let's say you get rid of Donald Trump then they're going to investigate, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis. Let's let's say DeSantis is the nominee for the Republicans. Don't go after him. They'll go after him for, you know, shipping these migrants to uh, Washington, D.C. and in New York and some of these other places. I mean, you, you know, you know that they've now figured out the code. They've cracked the code. The Democrats have. And so now moving forward, they're going to find anything and everything they can to bring you up on some sort of a charge. And so for, you know, our side of the aisle, they they have done everything they can to try to lower the bar for impeachment. And look, if if Donald Trump and we talked about the polling yesterday, so I don't want to go go back too far. But, you know, if if Trump actually did. Win the presidential election, and I believe that he could. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are saying that, no, there's no way that Donald Trump can win the election. No way he can win a general election. I don't know that. Because there are a lot of people that said that Donald Trump couldn't win 2016 until he won 2016, right? But this this insanity is going to continue. And obviously, the left is pushing the 14th Amendment to get rid of Donald Trump. And this has been an ongoing conversation since January 6th happened. Now, remember what the 14th Amendment does. It's it's the 14th Amendment, Section 3. And I'm going to get into this coming up in the second half of this hour. But, you know, basically what it does is it disqualifies or bans a person like Donald Trump from holding federal office. If you have taken an oath as an officer of the United States, uh, says that you cannot hold office if you have engaged in a, quote, insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. We'll talk about that straight ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. This is Red Eye Radio. From the Uniden America Studios. Now for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. 86690 Red Eye is the phone number, 866-907-3339. That's where we find Jerry calling from Iowa on Red Eye Radio. Hey Jerry, how are you? 
Uh, yeah, I, I like uh, like your show when the guys are here and uh, when you're here. So here uh, in in Iowa, I talked to Ron DeSantis the other day at a rural pizza joint. If that makes any sense, it's yep. it happens here a lot. And um, so I asked him the uh, his thought. I'm a little nervous here. I asked him uh, if he thought that the Democrats were planning more civil unrest, hoaxes, or, uh, God forbid, a a civil war. And so my comment is related to that. I I don't think most Americans know how socialists seize power. Um, Here's what it looks like. They let thieves steal under $1,000, but they accost, prosecute, and attack in social media people who don't wear masks. And uh, so Americans who haven't traveled abroad or been to uh, civil unrest or civil wars or read history don't know that the grand picture is for the top uh, Democrat intelligentsia Mm -hmm. to really uh, destabilize all institutions. And that includes law enforcement and uh, civil peace. So I just wanted you to uh, – so Ron DeSantis, his comment was really interesting. He yeah, said, well, I was uh, going to ask, what was his he, comment? Well, uh, he told me that – he told us in the room uh, while we're eating pizza that uh, in the 2020 that Minnesota burned and Portland burned and other states with burned. But in Florida, they uh, – he, 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 he he actually said, "Go ahead and make my day." <laughs> um, he he said that in, in Florida was not allowed to burn, and if he were elected president, blah blah blah. Same thing for the rest of the U.S. But I don't think most Americans understand that the goal, the aim of socialism, if you look at other countries that have fallen, uh, is to destabilize all institutions, including parenting and with the transgender garbage. Right. And it's just they, they want to burn it down and replace well, they, it with the tyrannical form. So I just wanted to hear your comments on that. And I appreciate you being there tonight. It's always a great show. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it. And th- there's a number of different ways that the the progressives, the socialists, whatever you want to say, are taking over America. And it, it is when they demonize good people because good people stand up. And and raise up against their tyranny. Now, one of the things that they do is they like to take over the language. Jerry, you were talking about, you know, destabilizing our institutions. They are destabilizing our schools. They're destabilizing our high schools. They're destabilizing our uh, elementary schools by teaching all of this racist, you know, garbage. All the transgender stuff is also permeating in our schools that also impacts parents and conservative parents. And so there's a lot of destabilizing that is going on within these woke institutions, and it is coming at the expense of our children and of those institutions. And so you have absolute and utter chaos going on inside these schools, whether it's elementary schools, whether it is You know, colleges, of course, we all know that colleges have been insane for a long time. 
and then they take over the language. They tell you that you can't say certain things. Otherwise, you are racist. You are misogynist. You are transphobic. You are homophobic. So when good people stand up and they're made to feel like, you know, they're being the, you know, the ones that are horrible and bad. And so they're told to sit down. It takes a very strong person to stand up and remain standing and say, no, you're the ones that are wrong. You're the ones that are racist. You're the ones that are anti-female. You're the ones that are anti-girl. That's what's going on. You know, Gary and Eric, they talk all the time about the radical transgender movement, right? And I got to tell you that at its core, as the left will stand up, And they'll say that, you know, conservatives and and parents and so forth, they are they are anti-trans and they're homophobic and all this kind of crap. It takes a very strong person to stand up and, and say in the middle of all of that progressive fury, no, you're the ones that are wrong. You're the ones that are being sexist against women. You're trying to literally cancel women. How is it you don't see that? How is it you don't understand that? And so you're right. What 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 does need to happen? And I believe that it is happening here in America is there does need to be a a, a giant awakening, you know, a standing up where conservatives say, no, we're not going to take this. You know, people call me as a as a conservative talk show host, you can put that in air, air quotes, a conservative talk show host. People call me racist all the time. It, it's it's not a day in the neighborhood if somebody's not calling me a racist. And, you know, I don't care. Because I know it's in my heart. And most people who have the strength, who have found the strength to stand up to the woke insanity that is out there, they will tell you about the pressure. And how you do have to remain strong. You do have to remain vigilant and fight for your country and fight for your kids fight for your family fight for your flag and fight for your freedoms because every day they're working to take them away and that's what needs to happen and so i like that ron desantis who is a a guy that i like and he he as you said he said in florida basically you know we said make our day that's all fine, well, and good. You know, one of the things, and, and I mentioned previous, where you talk about how, you know, these socialists, these, these progressives, you know, they're, they're racist. I mean, I could very easily make that argument because part of what, you know, they do is they castigate those who they'll criticize those and tell those people to shut down, uh, sit down and shut up when you're raising your hand and you're saying, but wait a minute, the people that were that were terribly affected by the by the by the Black Lives Matter riots, the George Floyd riots, you know, the summer of love, they were black folks who lost their businesses, who lost their lives, who lost their homes, who lost their neighborhoods, who lost their stores. And if you're somebody who stands up and and, and stands up for that community, only for the woke of us out there to come after you saying that you're racist and it's like, why? Why am I racist? For trying to protect that community? That is the insanity of what is going on today. And I appreciate the call. Let's see here. This is James calling from Lebanon, Tennessee. 
on Red Eye Radio. Hey, James. Morning, Dan. Uh, my point is exactly what you were just preaching. Uh, we have McConnell. We have Lindsey Graham. Uh, we have McCarthy. And what the Democrats are masters in is how they play the Republicans. Uh, I am a Christian. I'm a devout Christian. But I will tell you this. They play the religious right like a yo-yo. Because I've had, I've had people I've talked to, and, you know, every time you speak to them, what's the first thing? Well, we don't want to be mean. We don't want to, you don't need to be hurting people's feelings. That's, that's all in good. But if you don't stand up for what is right, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, if Donald Trump gets one vote, you can bet he comes from Lebanon, Tennessee. Donald <laughs> Trump is a proven commodity. It's right. proven. He's a proven commodity. He's not a politician. Any politician. I don't care if he's on the right or the left. I don't want him in office leading this country ever again. I want somebody. I mean, you know, I have kind of question marks on that. What's his name? Babek. Babek you know, Ramaswamy. I, I would rather. Yeah, I would rather him be a part of Trump's cabinet or or under somebody else, whether it's Trump or not, and prove himself. Now, they can say, well, that's, that's racist. No, it's not. That's being cautious. This is America. There are people out there who want to destroy this country. And, you know, people, just like you said, racist, not hate. I have mixed people in my family. I, 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 I coach baseball up here in Mount Julie, Tennessee. I have black and white kids, and I love each and every one of them exactly the same. No black owes me anything. But the fact is, I don't owe them anything. We are in America. We are Americans. That is America. So we've got to have somebody in the, in the Senate, in the Congress. Before I leave, I want to ask you this one question, and then I'll hang up and listen to your remarks. Okay. Everybody dogged Matt Gates, Bolbert, and Andy Biggs for locking up the uh, uh, Speaker of the House from McCarthy. Now, you just think for five seconds, if they hadn't have done that, just how, what, how it would be right now. All right, James, I will answer that question for you. Coming up next, 866-90-RED has a phone number, 866-907-3339. We'll return next on Red Eye Radio. Lines open for your calls, 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. They will be back next Sunday night, Monday morning. And Ron is right now calling from Kansas City on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Ron, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, yes, I just wanted to ask you a question. Uh, if a regular person attempts to murder, uh, compared to a person who's trying to uh, 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 kill the vice president of the United States, 
or the Speaker of the House. They should get the same charge. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, if somebody if somebody does something wrong, regardless of their political proclivities, we should all be uh, we should all be convicted or tried under the same uh, under under the same rules and regulations. Yeah. Well, do, well, do you not agree? Hinkley, didn't he try to kill? Didn't he, Hinkley try to kill the president of the United States? Isn't he still in jail? I mean, they represent more than the person. They represent the, our government. This is the uh, most powerful country in the world, and they're trying to to uh, assassinate the folk. They should, they should just get regular charge. Somebody tried to kill Trump, but he just gets six months. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out who who tried to. I understand they were they were chanting "Hang Mike Pence." I understand that. I'm not defending that. But as far as I know, nobody actually physically tried to physically find Mike Pence, took a gun or whatever, and haul him off to the gallows or shoot him. Nobody did that. So, in other words, those who watch that, if they would have found these guys, what would have happened? Yeah, but 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 Ron, no, Ron, 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 this is America. This is Ron. This is America. And you don't try and convict people on everybody knows what they would have done. Hinkley is still in jail and he tried to assassinate the president of the United States. Yes, because he because he because he had a gun and he actually fired at the president. This sounds ridiculous. Thanks. All right. All right. Apparently that sounds ridiculous. All right. Very good. Thanks for the call. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. What time is it? 866-90-RED-EYE. 866-90. we got time for one more call. Very quickly. This is Robert in Oklahoma City on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Robert. How are you? Hey. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, I've been listening to you about the, uh, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. I want to make a comparison about BLM and Antifa. Have you noticed how they haven't been protesting since the Democrats have been in office? They have been awfully quiet, haven't they? Yeah, and, and what it is, I, I, I'm going to make a kind of absurd comparison, right? Uh, the BLM and Antifa are like the brown shirts from the Nazi parties back in the 20s and 30s, right? They're useful idiots in the Democratic Party. When they need them, they just call them back out. And they completely destroy the bookkeepers and the uh, Proud Boys like they have the Tea Parties. No, you know, Robert, I'm sorry your your phone's cutting out and I missed a good part of what you said, but I do appreciate the call. And and the bottom line is I'm not entirely certain where Robert was going. I missed a lot of it. But, you know, his point is well taken and it is a good point and a familiar one at that. And that is we all know what happened in the days following George Floyd's death. And we all know what happened and we all know the communities that were impacted. So the question is, why is it we're getting such a harsh response to the January Sixers? But a lot of those folks, they did not face justice. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you fifteen to twenty? You pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.